all and bring to fruition the show that is brought to us by Jennifer A. Whitaker in collaboration with John Tarr and with podcast engineer Emily Gomer and panelists, yours truly, Kurt Roscoff. All right, Emily, take it away. What are we doing today on Jaws Christ Talk? Bring it to us, Emily Gomer. Yeah, I got this fun thing. <clears throat> well, we are waiting for John to get on here. Um, um, I guess, would you like to say anything about um, Project I Heard? Or could you be doing what I say about Project I Heard? Um, uh, but Project Die Hard is a veteran-owned, veteran-run nonprofit out of Paducah, Kentucky, and they are, or they have a uh, 10,000 square foot building, uh, 20 acres of in uh, Macanda, Illinois. And are looking to um, renovate the building in order for there to be uh, up to 12 veterans and their families uh, staying at this building for up to a year. Um, to In order to get whatever help um that is needed in between or within like the transition from active military to civilian life and um the, we they have a uh, podcast that we're helping out with in a couple hours. <clears throat> then everybody's welcome to join us on. And Hello. We have John. Hi, John. Um, oh, sorry, I'm a, little, a little later. Oh, and hovers. Um, is there anything in particular you want to? Talk about on today's show. Uh, is Kurt coming or that uh, Melanie? Uh, Kurt's connected. He's just not on video. There we go. Oh, there's Kurt. Hey. <laughs> Hello. I did quite a bit of talking the last couple times, so if I could hear from you guys a little bit. Hey, Kurt, 
how did you become a Christian? Tell, tell us your story of your, your Christian walk and how you got to where you are today. Um, well, you've spoken before about your Catholic upbringing. I, too, um, you know, have Catholic upbringing, so I was born into a Catholic family. Um, my uh, father was in the Knights of Columbus, and my mother was in Ladies of Columbus, and, you know, other um, service at the church, uh, like parish council and on and on like that. Um so, so I was baptized Catholic when went through uh, most all the sacraments of the Catholic faith. And um, so um, so like right now, my my daughter is in um, Christian formation at um, actually the same church I was baptized in. <clears throat> so um, so and even when I went off to college, you know, I uh, kept the practice of mass um, going, um, you know, but really, um, I guess really folding out from the collegiate experience, you know, like I had a roommate um, who was Jewish and um, just with other friends, like even college friends who are Lutheran and um you know, so I've been to all sorts of different church services and faith traditions, and um, so and I value all of them, you know, and uh, you know, and like you said before about some of the history and news and legal matters of the Catholic Church, you know, the Catholic Church obviously is ridden of, um, you know, or kind of has a lot of issues, <laughs> you know, that that I think the Pope and uh, Cardinals and, you know, all the way through the leadership of the Catholic church, there's a lot of healing going on, you know, in the Catholic church. Um, and basically in 2003, um, you know, I met a gentleman through kind of connecting to him through the business my family used to own. We used to own a golf course. And the interesting thing about the golf course practice is my father um, had a business model where clergy golf for free. He was not going to uh, use <laughs> clergy in it. And you know what, John? That was a great business yeah. because, oh, how the heavens favored, you know, Kavanaugh Country Club in the Myra, Wisconsin. It was just, you know. Kavanaugh. It was an Irish country club. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, you know, so those 13 years were good. And, uh, you know, there we had polka mass and stuff like that. So, you know, all sorts of um, great religious experiences, I'm going to say. And then, um, you know, but through uh, 2003, meeting a gentleman that we still keep in touch with, he, he's been through a lot of denominations as a Christian. And kind of what we're all looking at now is uh, Hebraic roots. Um, so basically looking at Hebraic roots Bible and um, or sacred scripture. And then, um, you know, it's something that I've always felt as I experienced the Catholic faith tradition is that, 
you know, and for Christianity, that it's just, to me, it's an interesting experience to have a Savior and to have, um, you know, to have our Messiah and everything be someone who practiced Judaism and, you know, had that connection to, you know, um, people of Jewish faith at the time. And so, so to me, he is, he is our example uh, of how we might yearn to live our life, you know. Um, you know, yet I don't know how much Christianity really embraces the extent that I think it could be. And even for my own journey, you know, I, I feel like embracing... Um, you know, I might say our Jewish brothers and sisters, you know, that, you know, I really, I really take it on to say that, you know, for me, there are some limits. I mean, it's not like a carte blanche openness, but I do embrace how across 8 billion of us, there, there are so many fashions of faith journeys and recording in progress. Um, you know, and, and connecting to deity and, you know, um, who to worship to and, you know, how you practice, how you pray, um, you know, how you give praise, um, you know, what we declare and how we declare it. You know, it's interesting, all the the, the variations. So so when you when you look at what many people are doing, you know, looking at Christianity, and looking at like even this show, Jaws Christ Talk, you know, even the word Christ, you know, if you look at the history of it, it's interesting what kings have done, you know, to to take what, you know, in our Savior's time, in the time of our Messiah, you know, there are stories told about how he was labeled King of the Jews you know, and stuff like that. And um, so to, to take everything that he did in his time um, and then to look at how how monarchs and kings, you know, like uh, Roman kings, Greek kings, you know, and, and how, you know, paganism actually, you know, really finds its way in a big way in Christianity and Catholicism and you know, even the Protestant aspect and so forth, um, you know, and, and to me, as I learned about Christianity and I learned about, you know, what all along the way is called a journey with Christ, um, you know, and I look at how that's been presented to me. I'm 51 now. And even continuing to go to mass and how it's all presented in this whole thing like um you know let me bring up like my marriage you know i met sue at uw madison and found her as a missouri synod uh you know lutheran girl you know so so here i'm marrying a lutheran and i'm a catholic and so i knew i was not interested to um, convert or, or change my membership or identity with the Catholic Church. And for whatever my wife's reasons were, 
um, somehow she got nudged that she wanted to join me in the Catholic faith. Then she went through the RCIA program. And uh, so that all leads to now my daughter is being taught the Catholic faith, um, so on and so forth. And then in terms of men's groups, I never went to a men's group until like the last handful of years. It was like five years ago was the first time in my life, you know, so I was in my late 40s before I ever went to a men's group, you know, or men's conference. And it was available to me all along the way. I just never did. It was a particular um, interest locally here in my village and, um, you know, with particular men that the circumstances just really made it a natural thing that, that I would join them at this men's group. You know, so discipleship and evangelism and all of that is very important, you know. And uh, Emily and I participate every Friday morning um, with a gentleman by the name of Tim, and he leads corporate prayer. And um, so he does some men's group and some other group experiences at the facility he has. And then he utilizes Zoom. So, so like with that group, he has me scheduled to be a speaker at the group and to be able to speak in a similar type of way. You know, he kind of wants me to share a little bit of my faith journey and so forth. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it's very interesting, like with you and with Jennifer and, you know, just kind of the opportunity to, to share in faith and, um, you know, like our country is based, you know, the idea that's got to work regardless of creed. You know, and stuff like that. And like I say, to me, it's got limits because, I mean, you know, some, you know, s some people are on earth that practice faith in a way that is a little aggressive and a little, you know, about life and death and sacrifice and, you know, um, you know, doing stuff like, you know, like kamikaze stuff or, you know, doing stuff like to get favoritism in the afterlife um, to the point <laughs> of, to the point of, you know, it's a suicide ideation and it's using faith to legitimize suicide. You know, it's like, you know, you know so there's, there's all sorts of stuff out there. But other than that, John, what were you looking for in terms of asking me and unpacking kind of what the decades have been for me? Yeah, I thought that was a good uh, synopsis. <clears throat> you say, um, and one of the things that wanted to, one of the points you were making about having, there are so many faiths in the human existence, in the human experience. There's so many faiths out there. I look at it as a very good thing. What it tells me. Um, and a lot of people don't realize I'm, uh, I was an atheist until I was 30 years old. And then I became a born again Christian after the Catholic faith. I grew up in a Catholic, uh, uh, an abusive Catholic family and German family. And um, I grew up in the 1950s. So a lot of things were done real differently in the 50s than it were later on. Um, I was beat up by the nuns quite a bit, but I was a really tough kid. So they had a hard time with me, and I don't think they knew how to deal with me, and a lot of these nuns should not have been teachers. But what I'm saying is, um, and I wrote an article about this, I think 
when God, uh, he makes us, okay, and when we start to grow up, we have this place in our heart that's a missing place for him. And it's been this way since the very beginning of time. And um, that's a good thing. If God did not put this thing in us, and it would push all human beings to seek out uh, an intelligent designer, something beyond us. Because if you look through the history of mankind throughout the, all the years, uh, from Stonehenge to uh, even the uh, pharaohs and all these people, they had different beliefs, but they were always searching for God, uh, somebody beyond ourselves. That there is this, and as we go through life, one of the main questions that we have as a human being is, is this all there is? Is this it? So we're always trying to find out uh, who made us, why we're here. Uh, these are all questions. And when you, if you're an atheist, uh, the questions of, is this all there is? There is no answer to that for atheists um, because there's nothing else. We're just here. We, uh, through, um, through, um, well, there's two ways that human beings got here. One was an intelligent designer designed us and um, evolution. Evolution is the other one. Uh, so there's only two ways life can form on this planet. So we got to really uh, ask that question. So I think it's a good thing there are many faiths because it says that the, the human heart and soul is expanding and it's asking the deepest questions that you can actually ask and that have been asked for centuries. So I, uh, I thought that was a uh, good thing that you brought up. A lot of people look at it as a bad thing and they say, why is there so many Christian faiths out there? But there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of other groups too. There's a lot of different uh, Jewish groups that get together. Um, um, when you're talking about Muslims, there's a, a number of different Muslim faiths throughout the, the globe, but you talk about Hinduism and all of them out there. It's just human beings trying to find a way. I was in a, uh, a like, not in a cult, but I was in a, in a thing called Ekinkar, where it was it had a lot to do with uh, evolution and, and going on and, and doing some of the Southeastern uh, religious ceremonies and things like that. But that was not a bad thing for me either because it was like a stepping stone to where I would eventually end up. It at least opened my heart to believing that there was an intelligent designer behind the universe, that we are not alone. Because think about that, when the um, um, Big Bang happened 13, 8 billion years ago and the universe is expanding. But at some point in time, if there was no God, um, the universe would eventually flicker out and all these stars that were created would uh, flicker out and eventually there would be no planets, no suns, or no nothing. The universe would just disappear. Um, I, I, can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe that. There's got to be something more. 
um, when we were talking about earlier today about the Big Bang. That's another way that you can prove that there is a God or an intelligent designer um, behind everything because it states that the universe started at one specific point in time. Uh, and, the, and the Bible says that also. If, if, if That's the mind-blowing thing. In Genesis 1.1, and then it talks about um, that God spoke the universe into being. So if there was no God, who pulled the trigger on the universe starting at that one specific point in time? It's a heavy question that a lot of scientists today can't answer. What happened? What happened, uh, they say, 13.8 billion years ago? So what happened at 13.9 billion? What happened then? Was there anything going on? Who pulled the trigger for this to all occur? So it's a heavy-duty question. Um, so that I, I'm into science, and, and the question is, is science and faith compatible? Of course it is. If God created everything, then... Science is compatible. He made certain laws to be in effect from one side of the universe to the other side. Time and space. Is time the same thing on this side of the universe as it is on the other side of the universe? Um, so those are interesting questions to have. Um, so we gotta we gotta look at that. And one of the things, uh, as the universe is so huge. So immense. Um, I went in and I tried to figure out how big is this this place, and we haven't even realized how big the universe is to what it is now until about the last fifteen years, with all the different new telescopes and things that are out there. And here's an example. And I was saying this earlier: there are more stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Uh, then there are uh, sand, pieces of uh, uh, sand on all the beaches on our planet. That's 10 to the 10th power. But here's a real mind blower. How many um, um, Milky Way, or not Milky Way, how many galaxies are in the universe? And the number is more than all the sains of grant, uh, uh grains of uh, sand on all the beaches in the planet. And you're talking about 10 to the 150th power. You're talking about trillions upon trillions upon trillions of um, galaxies, much less stars. That's a, that's a, it's a mind blower. How, how, what is this entity that created all this? So that's how I, I stay, stay humble. That's how I uh, look at what God created and what is he? What is, and, and of course we believe in the, uh, the three spirits of the uh, triune, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What are these individuals? And I do say individuals. Yes, they are spirit, but they're a lot more than that. Uh, so, who was this that, that's got all this in motion? Because the Bible talks about um, a way you can prove God is looking up in the, in the stars at night. Uh, who creates something like that? And mankind has been looking up at the stars since the very beginning. Um, so that's, uh, 
that's very interesting to to try to figure that out. I I like looking at that. It helps me to uh, not only stay humble, but to realize that there is a God out there that loves this creation, and He loves these individuals that live in this little blue marble in space. Are there other alien uh, in existence out there in the universe? Um, we haven't had any contact really with it. They talk about UFOs and all these kinds of things. Uh, so it's um, we got um, we haven't been in contact and had contact with us. There is a uh, astronomer by the name of Hugh Ross that uh, he's written a, a number of articles that probably that said that we probably have not been. Uh, in contact with an alien species uh, because he said they, it is so complicated and the stars and the galaxies are so far apart the chances of them having contact with each other is very slim so that's uh, that's something to think about you know um, I was an atheist till I was 30 and these were some of the questions I had to confront I had to look at and say okay, this is a great question. How do I answer this? And how do other people answer this? And today, the atheists are, are stuck. There's three places that you can almost prove that there is an intelligent designer. Number one, like I said, was the Big Bang. Number two was DNA, the amount of information, digital information in a single cell of DNA. If it wasn't for an intelligent designer behind it, it'd be impossible. Evolution could never do it. And then the other one was uh, um, how far apart uh, do certain things within uh, the universe have to be? Uh, and they have found out now it's called fine tuning. And that if uh, something is too much or too less, uh, life could not exist. So it's like these ridiculous questions that you have to ask and that no one has answers for unless you say there is an intelligent designer behind it that is making it happen. Like mathematics. Think about mathematics for a minute. Mathematics is not a thing. It is not something that can be created. It's not something that just happens. Mathematic is out of the scope of human consciousness, but mathematics is the same from one end of the universe to the other. And when you look at it that way, um, certain languages and our languages too are beyond our purview too. How do these things function? How do they happen? Mathematics is different because it's the same always. But it, it's not something you can put your finger on. It doesn't exist in the real world until somebody works out a mathematical formula. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. But it's always the same. How does that happen? You know, so there's crazy things out there, Kurt. Um, and that's what I, I like to look at and try to say, okay. Um, so I know I went off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's uh, a good thing. Because there's a lot of people, I think, that have questions that mankind has been wrestling with since the beginning of time, when the first human beings walked on this planet. Uh, and I think, 
I know for me, uh, being an atheist till I was 30 years old, um, it, it, I, I had so many questions I couldn't answer. I was like, okay, how does this happen? How did this work? You know, so I, I come from more of a scientific background, but there's people that come from more of an emotional background. Um, and when I uh, started researching faith to hook onto or religions to hook onto, I eventually hooked, hooked up with a Christian Christian church. And when I started reading the Bible, it, it expanded me so much because the thing that really caught my eye was in Genesis when God said he spoke the universe into being. And that was pretty much how science says it is through the Big Bang. So, okay. What would you like to talk about next, Curtis? <laughs> All right. Speaking of Big Bang, Emily. Uh, Emily, how many um, <laughs> Jaws Christ talks have we done now? How many episodes of this have we done? Um, Are we talking 10, 15, 20, you know? It's been about 10 or what? <laughs> what? It's 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 not, uh, something like that, yeah. All right, so... All right, so let's just say in, in 10 shows of Jaws Christ Talk, um, how much we heard from you in your journey, Emily? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Speaking of Big Bang, you know, here we go. We're shooting off the big ones now. <laughs> so what do you think, Emily? Well, let's tie it into yesterday. What happened for you in your journey yesterday? Unless it didn't work out for you. Last I heard, you were going to mass. Well, no, I, <laughs> you're, I, you're really steering me for a loop here. It's like, <laughs> it's like, is, is Emily sorry, ever out of body? Sorry, Kurt. Yes, Kurt, I am. Um, uh, so, so Kurt. Kurt. <laughs> so what's happening, Emily? What you got? Okay, so, so I, I I I was uh, born and raised Catholic, and was going to um. Mass throughout the whole time, but when when COVID hit, um, and nobody could first hit, and nobody could go anywhere, um, I kind of stopped going. Um, kind of got out of the habit of not going. Um, at, at least on more of a regular basis than I was going. I mean, I did go. Uh, I think a few times after. Things kind of sort of started opening up a little more, but um, for the most part, um, I hadn't really been going since COVID hit in March of 2020. Um, uh, but starting um, 
yesterday. Well, for well, for the most part, it was because of either because of is either because of COVID or uh, I got to doing other things and wasn't getting there. But um, starting as of yesterday, I'm looking to kind of get back there on uh, more of a regular basis, like I was doing. Does that answer your question, Kurt? Well, yeah, so that's the logistics of it. But, you know, what is your <laughs> faith journey like in terms of, you know, what's the meaning behind all of it? Like, what does it do for you in your life? Does it just make your parents happy that you're joining them? Or, you know, what purpose is it serving? Well, I mean, I'm going to invest by myself on a, a number of occasions without without my parents. Um, um, I think it just kind of helps with um, knowing, knowing like there's something there. Um, and to kind of help for, with, uh, like what I'm going through and that kind of thing. Okay. If that makes any sense. <laughs> it's <laughs> hard to explain, explain at the moment. <laughs> so what does uh, sacred scripture mean for you? Like the good book, as they say, you know, like what role does do the words uh, bring for you and in the instruction in the scripture? I mean, I haven't, I mean, I have done um, um, uh, kind of a couple different like Bible study type things. Um, it seems like a really, uh, uh, ancient, ancient, long time ago now. Um, but, uh, haven't really, um, been a huge, uh, routine of, um, but let's just say I haven't read it cover to cover. Right. Yeah. But you like to read. Yes. So. Uh, yes, I do. But, uh, but I haven't gotten the uh, real habit of uh, I was reading that, though. Well, the other way we get the message is when you go to Mass, you know, you have your priest and you have readers and, you know, you have the gospel and you have the sermon, yeah. you know, so every hour on a Sunday morning, you know, you're getting, you know, 10, 15 minutes of, you know, message and, well, yeah, you know, well, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. Well, all right. I grew up Catholic. I was raised Catholic. 
went to two years of Catholic high school when I uh, moved to Seamus Point. Um, I was when I moved to Seamus Point, I was still in high school. And so I went to two years of high school in Seamus Point, which were at a Catholic high school. Um, and not exactly sure where I was going with that. <laughs> so you gotta pray, Emily. You gotta pray. Say, Heavenly Father, where am I going? I just got myself lost. Can you find me, please? <laughs> right, but I mean, as far as far as like the uh, the the uh, faith journey, that kind of thing. Right. That that happens to me all the time. <laughs> My focus is sidelined. Um, Kirk, can I read something real quick? One of the things that brought me to the um, Christian faith, and I know this area of scripture has had a lot of controversy within the Jewish circles because it is out of the Old Testament. And there's a lot of discussion about this. And a lot of the Jewish faith refuses to go into Isaiah anymore because they can't explain what some of the scriptures in there are referring to. Uh, do you mind if I read a little bit out of Isaiah? It's called Isaiah 53. And you've got to remember this when you read this, that these Isaiah was written about 800 years before Jesus Christ walked the planet. So when Isaiah 53 is talk, saying this, who is it talking about? Okay. It's like a, a precursor to what Jesus Christ would be 800 years later. And it says, Who hath believed our report, and whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and we shall see him, and there is no beauty that we should desire him. Who is it talking about? You go to 53.3. He said he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as we were, were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And here's the big part. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with the stripes we are healed. So you could spend hours on the part that I just read and how it related to Jesus Christ and how he lived and how he was crucified and rose from the dead. You go, keep going. Um, then it said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquities of us all. What did Jesus Christ do? He took the sin of mankind upon his shoulder and was crucified. So that's what it's saying. And then it goes on and it says, he was oppressed 
and he was afflicted. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He brought, he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. So if you look at all this out of Isaiah 53, you, everything that it talks about in there is relating to Jesus Christ on all the different things that Jesus Christ went through. So it, it is very powerful. So if you get a chance, uh, just go to Isaiah 53 and go through the whole thing there and think about, give it a chance and give it, think about what it's saying. There is a lot of Jewish kids, and I've run into a number of them, that became Christian, even though they were rose, raised at, by, as Jews, when they got into Isaiah, they got they had a hard time explaining this, and especially when they got into Isaiah 53. So like I said, a lot of um, uh, Jews refused to even go into Isaiah. So it's very powerful. Um, so that's all I got to say about that. Uh, I just I just think it's very worthy of uh, being able to read and go through. Because if you go through the Old Testament, there are hundreds of precursors to Jesus Christ coming and walking on this planet. And there's no way that could have happened. So that's all for me. Are you still there, Kurt? Emily, do you have anything to say? Um, no, I think that um, is very interesting. Um, but it kind of sounds like the, um, um, so the same thing says there, so, um, 800 years later when. Right. So, um. It looks like it's just me and you. Do you want to cl close this up early? Um, um, if, I guess if you'd like to, we can close it up a little bit early. Okay. Um, like I said, I belong to a, uh, a science group, um, and I meet once a month with them. Uh, they're, they're Christians. And they talk about different things that are happening on the planet today in our culture and stuff like that. And they talk about all kinds of different things. And I meet on the second Saturday of the month uh, in the morning from 10 until 12. And it really has helped my walk with my Christian faith because uh, I, I needed questions about evolution. When I was an atheist, evolution was my God. Um, so, but I no longer believe in evolution. Uh, I realize that, and there's a lot of scientists today that say evolution is not no longer possible. And there's many, many scientists that are in the field that say there's a problem, uh, with evolution and we got to come back because if you think about it, there's only two ways that life happened on our planet. 
and one is that it was designed and created by God. And the other one was evolution, which uh, states that uh, it was an unthinking, unorganized uh, science uh, a thing that happened throughout uh, our existence that uh, deaf, dumb, and blind, basically, that it created all life and everything. And I just, I, I no longer believe that. So. I, I believe that there was an intelligent designer behind everything that was has been created. So, okay, Emily, what do you think? Um, well, I like to. Um... Okay, well, why don't we close her off? So. Leave your message here. Okay, I'd like to thank John and Kurt, everybody else, for coming on and tuning in. Uh, we will be here uh, next Monday, February 6th, um, at the same time, 4.15 p.m. Central, 5.15 Eastern. And we encourage everybody to join us. Uh, and to connect with us if you are interested in, in joining. And um, add, uh, connect with us through uh, Jaws Coffee Chat at gmail.com. And, and we and like to uh, give special thanks our question to. Um, Marcus Hart, Jay Stoyan, and Zach Clayton of Transfer New Media, Disability Channel, and the Pick Channel for allowing us to have this show on their platforms. Um, and on behalf of um, Jen, John, Kurt, and the rest of the World of Ability Podcast Network, wish you a safe and happy. Or safe and productive week and to stay happy. Okay, see you next week and bring a bring a friend. Yep.